Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. Now is not the time to wait. Wait and see, wait and wonder. No, no, no. Now is the time to act. According to a plan, you want to have a plan, of course, but now's the time to act and to take action according to that plan. But make no mistake about it, this is the time to act. Look around, are billionaires sitting on their thumbs waiting to see? Nope. BlackRock, you think that group is waiting around? Wonder what's gonna happen? No, they're gobbling up land and homes all across the country. Now isn't the time to sit it out. Now is the time to own. In spite of the plan that would say by 2030 you'll own nothing and be happy, you and I know that's a bad plan. You and I know that your plan is to own. Not just property, but to own your own destiny. Get in the game, get going, because now is in fact the time for you to own that destiny. familiar with the Fifth Amendment are you? There's a portion of the Fifth Amendment of your U.S. Constitution that reads like this, nor be deprived of life, nor shall you be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So be aware of the Fifth Amendment, be aware of your rights, and be aware of the laws and ordinances in your own backyard. You know, it's addictive national global news is addictive it's easy it comes at you constantly but local news local information local happenings seem to ripple just under the surface and you've got to go out and get them you've got to go out and find out what's happening in your own backyard you got to be aware of the laws that are coming the laws that are on the books or soon to be on the books what are, what are, what's being discussed? What laws are being discussed right now in planning commissions, boards, assemblies, city councils, at the management level, city management level, at the mayoral level, in your community? The taking, referencing the Fifth Amendment, the taking usually takes place at a hyper-local level. It's usually right there in your own backyard with which laws and ordinances most affect and impact your private property. These zoning boards and commissions, city managers and mayors and so forth, go out to conferences. They go outside and also bring outsiders in. Urban planning partners and leagues, organizations that are brought in for the betterment of your city to make it greener, to make it denser, whatever the buzzword of the day is. But understand and be aware of what's happening in your own backyard because that's what's going to most impact your portfolio. It's going to most impact your wealth, your prosperity, and your Fifth Amendment. So it's time for you to wake up to what's happening in your own backyard. You're listening to The Backyard, a millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. You can listen to past episodes at our website, ilovehomeralaska.com. You can also pick up a copy, audio, 
or paperback or hardcover of my book, The Backyard Millionaire, working on The Schoolyard Millionaire, working on that about every day. It's my goal, and that's why I talk about it with you, because that's called accountability. My goal is to have it in your hands, The Schoolyard Millionaire, have it in your hands by November. But if you've not read The Backyard Millionaire, pick it up now. It's an, it's an incredible read, if I don't say so myself, and I just did. Michael Dukes, by the way, did such an incredible job on the audio version that if you've got a paperback or hardcover or ebook, get the audio anyway. Let Michael read it to you. So what do you do when the FBI shows up at your doorstep? Have you thought about this? I mean, why would you have, right? Uh, you, you saw what happened. It, was it Provo, Utah? The gentleman that, uh, what, 75, 78-year-old man that was um, writing some pretty horrific things online, uh, apparently, allegedly. I didn't see them myself, but this is what's being said is that he was writing some pretty awful things. And I will tell you something. If you say publicly, online or otherwise, that you wish to cause harm to somebody else, somebody's going to come a-calling. I'll give an example. In 1993, there was a gentleman I worked with who said across the counter from a customer, he, it wasn't even speaking to the customer, not that that matters, but he wasn't. He was speaking to another colleague, and he made mention, again, 1993, he made mention that he wished somebody would do harm to Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton. This guy mentioned it. Okay, that was it. There was no post. There was no such thing as social media. He didn't write it to the newspaper. As far as I know, he didn't have a manifesto at home that he wrote into and, and was sharing with governmental agencies. He just made a stupid offhand comment overheard by somebody across the counter who took exception to it, so much so that they contacted the authorities. The authorities contacted the Secret Service. Secret Service came all the way to Homer, Alaska to shake this guy down. And I didn't begrudge them a bit. That's exactly what they're there to do. But what if the FBI comes knocking at your doorstep? friend of mine, business owner and entrepreneur and, and real estate investor, had this happen as a result of an interview and in, in part an interview he'd done with me. But the truth of it was it, it wasn't just it, he was at the January 6th uh, riot slash rally and he did not go into the Capitol building, but the FBI mistakenly said that he and his wife did. They had, quote, evidence, knocked down their door six, eight, maybe 12 guns pointed at them. They were held in custody, handcuffed, seg segregated from each other, and their, their guests, one which was 16 years of age, for hours, hours. Their constitutional rights stripped from them for hours on end. And I often told Paul, my friend Paul, I said, you know, if you'd come around the corner with so much as a banana in your hand, when they bang down your door, you'd be dead. You'd, he would be just like the man in Utah for having attended a rally in Washington, D.C. So I say all of this prefaced around and wrapped around the horrible events that we just are witnessing and watching unfold in Utah to say it could happen to you. Are you prepared? Do you know? Now, this was a mistaken identity that happened to my friends. By the way, the FBI never apologized, has yet to exonerate them, has yet to 
quote-unquote close the investigation such that it can be commented on. And my prediction is they never will because once you close the investigation that it can be commented on, there can be FOIA requests and so forth. In the meantime, you can't discuss an ongoing investigation. Well, I got caught up in this investigation because I'd interviewed Paul upon his return from Washington, D.C. And I made in that interview a comment offhand to the extent that I'm paraphrasing. Gee, doggone it. I wish Paul had come back with Nancy Pelosi's laptop. (laughs) We'll be back with more. All right. Dumb, silly comment. The FBI shows up at my house. An FBI agent and a Capitol Hill agent showed up at my doorstep uh, rather forcefully, not as forcefully as how they handled my friend Paul and his wife and family and, of course, the gentleman in Utah. Not, not near to that extent, obviously. They did not batter the door down. They simply knocked. But, but here's what's interesting. I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what even to, to do in that moment. But yes, I did. I instinctively knew on my private property to shut my mouth. But I'm a talk show host. Do you think I could <laughs> shut my mouth for very long? I didn't, and I should have. So have you ever thought about it? Because there could be mistaken identity. There could be um, some sort of a misinterpreted post you make or share on social media. There could be something that you've done. There could be something your neighbor's done. Have you thought about what you do in the event that the FBI comes a-knocking? Because here's the thing. I was on my treadmill that afternoon on April 28th, 2021. I was on my treadmill getting in the miles. And my wife came out into the garage where the treadmill is. And she said, the FBI is here to talk to you about your podcast. And she's laughing while she's saying it. And I'm laughing and put my earbuds back in and go about running. I think she's giving me a hard time. She wasn't. She wasn't kidding. They really were standing outside. And so she like taps me on the shoulder and says, seriously, there's some people out there who say the word the FBI. They want to talk to you about your podcast. Again, she can't stop from laughing, but she's like, it's true. So I have a choice at this point because I don't have a camera facing that door. I can't see out that window that's facing the door where they happen to be. I don't know who they are. I don't have a clue who they are or they're just purporting to be agents. They didn't identify themselves with a badge or any sort of identification to Tiffany. Just said who they were. And I respect law enforcement. I admire law enforcement. I support my local law enforcement, state troopers, admire what law enforcement does for us, have family in the military, have for, well, since World War I to to the present. And so I have this great reverence for law enforcement. And but I also have a great skepticism for somebody that just shows up on your doorstep unannounced to talk about a podcast. And so I thought really long and hard about putting my concealed carry into my pocket because I went to get dressed so I could go out and greet whoever this was, Amway salesman or otherwise. And I wanted to be prepared and not be the fool that just walks into some sort of a gang beating or something. You know what I mean? Like, this is just, we don't know who these people are. I'd ask, did they show any identification? No, no. Okay. So I go out the side door, come around the corner from the garage, and I can see them. Clean cut, trench coat type folk. And uh, they're coming right, they beeline, they, they break conversation with Tiffany and come right to me where I was standing around the corner. Now, if I'd had a sidearm or anything, I, they were armed. I do not know what would have happened. And so my instinct was to just be quiet. My instinct on my own private property was to just simply keep my mouth shut I asked for identification. They showed it. 
I asked for business cards. They gave them. I looked them over. Okay, put them in my pocket and said, well, how can I help you? And they explained what they were there for. They pulled out a three-ring binder with a, a transcript of my program, been transcribed, and they had it, and they read it back to me and asked what I meant by wish, I, wish Paul had come back with the Nancy Pelosi laptop. And my instinct, here was my instinct, because I said I didn't know what to do, but I really did. And this is just a reminder for all of us. I knew what to do. Be quiet. Contact an attorney. Contact local law enforcement. And just wait. Wait for local law enforcement to show up. Wait wait for your lawyer to show up. Don't invite in. We're not in that era anymore. We're not in the era where you can be as, as cooperative as you otherwise would have been in a different era. And that's unfortunate and that's sad, but that's the truth of it. And I just ran my mouth. I ran my mouth like a chainsaw in the forest cutting a tree down. And I went on and on after I said, well, I don't feel comfortable talking without the presence of an attorney. And they backed up, their shoulders dropped, their eyes cast down, and they just got really soft. And both in sequence with the other backed up from me, gave me space, and they gave me enough space to just talk and blather on. And I felt comfortable and at ease. And it's not that I said anything incriminating. I did bring up it was interesting that they were there to investigate the Nancy Pelosi laptop when I felt what would have been more interesting was to talk about the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, you've had it for a number of years now and blah, blah, blah. And I just kept going on, talking about Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, talking about Andy McCabe, talking about Jim McComb, Jim McCabe, McComb, yeah, James McComb. Uh, just went on and on. Who's now, oh, by the way, he's retired from the FBI and uh, Comey, Jim Comey. He is now writing mystery novels. So he and I at least have that in common. Anyway, you know what to do. And I'm telling you, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but it's where we're at. You need to just have thought this through in advance. Because what if it's not you, but what if it's an elderly family member who has said something online, maybe you don't like it, don't agree with it, or a child, teenager, being snarky, being funny. We have to take this deadly serious. You need to know you're right. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. You're listening to The Backyard, a millionaire. I'm Christopher Story, along with Mr. David Webb. We've got a lot more to come. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard, Millionaire, How to Create Wealth, where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story. We've got a little light. Let's lighten the mood just a little bit here. Did you hear that the past and the present and the future walked into a bar? Oh, it was tense. <laughs> uh, the man who fell into the upholstery machine, don't worry. Don't worry. He's fully recovered. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite. Well, yeah, maybe not. You know, I used to be a banker, but I just lost interest. Oh, <laughs> uh, Abraham Lincoln said, honestly, if I were two-faced, would I be showing you this one? <laughs> I think not. You know, President Reagan said some funny things, too. President Reagan said, I'm not worried about the deficit. It's big enough to take care of itself. <laughs> oh, man. 
President Reagan also said, I've left orders to be awakened at any time in the case of an emergency, even if I'm in a cabinet meeting. process right now of trying to make the deal of the decade. You know, the deal of the decade comes around once a week, but you have to make it. Rarely do you find it. It's like Tony Robbins always says, success rarely interrupts you. Like you have to go out and make it. You have to go out and find it. It's the same with the deal of the decade. Tiffany and I are trying to make a long distance investment, thousands of miles from where we are. And no, the deal is not lying on the ground to be picked up. In fact, the opposite sort of like picking fruit up high in the tree and we're trying you know we're trying to make this deal work but it's like pulling teeth and at some point you just have to say okay stop you know when you feel as though at every turn you're being thwarted by the other side in a deal making process you sometimes have to take your fingers off the keyboard and you just have to say you know what you can keep it this isn't the deal we were seeking and is not the deal of the decade. Now, here's what's happened, just to let you in on the inside. We've drawn a line in the sand, and, and there's just been one thing after another, and it's a little bit like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. One thing after another keeps getting hung up onto the tree, and pretty soon it starts to tilt. And you start to say, wait a minute, I'm attempting to make the deal of the decade, but if you're the only one in the room attempting to make the deal, sometimes you have to simply draw a line in the sand, and that's where we're at. And now we're waiting to see if the other side really wants the deal. This is where in negotiating, care, but not that much. mojo working you got your mojo working marshall goldsmith wrote a great book in fact he was a guest here with me a number of years ago actually probably five or six years ago about the very book called mojo and he outlines in that book four key elements that contribute to getting keeping or getting back your mojo and the first one is your identity this element involves understanding who you are he says what you value and what you stand for. It's about having a clear sense of your purpose, your passions, and your values. What do you value? Who are you? Your identity. When you align your actions and decisions with your true identity, Marshall Goldsmith says, you're more than likely to experience a strong sense of mojo and get your mojo working. And you know it. And maybe you can't define it per se, but you just know it. When you, when you look back over your life, and you, you think about a time when you had momentum, you had this flow, a flow state is another way to think of it. Like an athlete with a, with a particular flow state or a musician or whatever it is that you've done in the past where you just can put your finger on it and then it just like, did it slip away? Or maybe you haven't identified it or gotten it yet, but your identity is at the core of it. He then talks about achievement. So the second element to getting or keeping your mojo is to achieve meaningful goals and making progress in areas that matter to you. This is crucial, he says, to maintaining your mojo. Setting and attaining goals that are aligned with your identity 
can boost your motivation, your confidence, and your overall sense of accomplishment. So first know who you are, what do you value, what do you want to accomplish, and then achieve things, little things, and in progress, in time, you're going to get more and more locomotion. It's like the, the expression about how you can put a, a penny or a nickel in front of a train wheel and the train can't get started. But if you put that same penny or nickel down on the track after it's moving, it'll flatten it like a grape. That's mojo, motion. And then thirdly is your reputation. As you get your mojo working, Goldsmith says, got to manage your reputation. Your reputation is how others perceive you, guess, guess what, based on what you do based on your behavior, how you interact with them in the world, other people in the world. Building and maintaining a positive reputation, he says, is by how you do it, is by consistently demonstrating integrity, respect, and reliability. This will enhance and create mojo and foster positive relationships, which when you're down, you have something happen it is those relationships that will make all the difference and keep that mojo working. When you can pick up the phone and call somebody, send them a text or an email or a letter and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Can, can you spare a minute? And they, yeah, absolutely. I saw you calling. I'm here for you. That's all part of your relationships based on your reputation, which is based on what you do, not just what you say or how you look, but what you do. And then finally, as you get your mojo working, keep it working, get it back, is acceptance. Embracing yourself and others with empathy and compassion, Marshall Goldsmith says, is the key element of mojo. Acceptance involves recognizing that you are not perfect and neither is anybody else. Practice forgiveness, letting go of grudges, cultivating an understanding and a sense of understanding. You'll create a positive and supportive environment that contributes to your mojo. Now, get your mojo working with those four elements from Marshall Goldsmith, your identity, your achievements in life, your reputation, and acceptance. Little Muddy Waters. I hope you're having a great time here on The Backyard Millionaire. You know, C.S. Lewis, great writer, he said, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. You can feel that way, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like, man, that's passed me by. Yeah, if I was 10 years younger, I could take a stab at that if I was 10, 20, 30, 40 years younger whatever it is, but C.S. Lewis is right. You're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. I think about a guy called Otto Penzler, and I really, really admire Otto Penzler. I got to know him during the, uh, the lockdowns because he started uh, a company back in 1975, actually called the Mysterious Bookshop in New York City in Manhattan, and then ran it successfully until 2020. Everything got locked down, you'll recall. What's he gonna do? What's a little bookshop gonna do? in the Tribeca area of New York. What's he gonna do? 
I mean, nobody was moving around New York City, locked down. So he started a little program on YouTube talking about rare books, talking about mystery books and authors. And I started following him three years ago. And I still watch and listen to him. And I think he's incredible at this age. He's 82 years of age now. And he's doing this cool thing to support his show, I mean, his bookstore, which is a passion of his. And, and what's really cool is when you get to know him a little bit and you hear his story about how he became a millionaire. How do you think he became a millionaire? Through selling books? Through writing books? Through publishing books? How do you think Otto Penzler became a millionaire? Well, stick around because I'm going to tell you exactly how somebody you've maybe never heard of became a millionaire in his own backyard and you probably can too. I'm Chris Story along with Mr. David Webb. We'll be right back here on The Backyard Millionaire. You are listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Remember, when you hear the word wealth, hear the words health, wealth, and prosperity. This is about so much more than putting money in an account. This is about so much more than stockpiling equity. That's all available to you, but so is health and so is prosperity. They all go hand in hand, health, wealth, and prosperity. What's that? I'm, oh, what? Oh, you said you're too old. Oh, okay. Well, you must never have heard Jim Rohn say, happiness is not something for you to postpone for the future. It's something you design for the present. The present. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you think has passed you by. You're never too late to live on purpose and with a purpose because you were born on purpose. Back to Otto Penzler, owner and creator of the Mysterious Bookshop, the Mysterious Press, a variety of other endeavors. What Otto Penzler will tell you is that how he made a fortune was in real estate. I'm not suggesting he hasn't done well with his bookshop. Of course he has. His press, his publications, books he's written about other books, which is a whole other cool topic. Side note for later. But just think about this. In 1972 or 73, somewhere in that era, he wanted to buy a brownstone in Manhattan. Now, you may be aware or remember that in that area of New York in the 70s, it was lawless. It was dirty. It was grimy. Crime-ridden. It was a terrible place to be. But yet, it was still a valuable piece of real estate he found. It was a brownstone, and the, an older gentleman wanted to move to Florida and get out of New York. He hated the cold, and he hated the violence and the crime and the drugs. And he said to Otto, I'll sell you my building, and I'll be the banker. And Otto said, well, I don't have any money. And he goes, well, how much do you have? And he goes, well, I have $2,000. He goes, I'll take it. They agreed at $170,000, which was a fortune for Otto at the time. But he took $2,000 down, and he ended up paying off that brownstone and selling it for millions of dollars later. I tell you that to say that there could be something, an opportunity right in front of you. You may feel, no, it's not right for you. I'll wait for later. I'm too old. I'm too young. I, it's, it's, it's for other people. I'm telling you, if there's something you want to do, if there's someone you want to become, someplace you want to go, it is up to you. And we're going to talk a little bit about, I got this uh, beautiful leather-bound 
book. <laughs> Why does he always have to talk about the book being leather bound? Because I'm proud of it because I love it. I got this first edition, beautiful leather bound copy of As a Man Thinketh. And my goal and my mission here today is to convince you that how you think, so shall you be. This world, this life, the circumstances with which you're living are completely within your control. Do you think I'm elitist? <laughs> of course I do. You, you needn't worry about that. I see trees of green, red roses too, and I see them bloom for me and you and I think to myself what a wonderful world I see skies of blue and clouds of white the bright blessed days and the dark sacred nights and I think Myself, what a wonderful world. So, who do you think you are? You probably heard that as a kid, didn't you? Who do you think you are, young man? Young lady, who do you think you are? But the truth of it is, who you think you are, you are. Are you confident? Are you competent? Are you smart? worthy are you funny handsome beautiful who you think you are is who you become I watch them grow you'll learn much more than I'll ever know and I think to myself what a wonderful What a wonderful world. I've published four books now, working on my fifth and sixth simultaneously. But for 10, probably more years prior to that first publication, I thought of myself as a writer. I thought of myself as an author. And when I combined what I thought eventually with what I would do is when I found the magic and the reality for me. Not a household name, you know that. You don't find me on the list with John Grisham. But I'm doing it and I'm doing what I want to do. My thoughts became a reality for my life once I combined how I think with what I do. One day, my cousin was visiting from college long ago, and I was living in a small little apartment and working at a hardware store, and he asked me, what do you want to do? Like, in other words, this, I know this isn't what you want to do. What do you want to do? And my answer also became a reality. I said, well, I want to own homes and apartments one day. And likewise, it took me years to accomplish that. It took me years to live that dream to make that a reality, but it did. It became a reality for Tiffany and I because it's what we thought, it's who we became. You can think yourself rich or you can think yourself poor. You can think yourself healthy, sick. You can think yourself happy. 
no matter what the circumstance is. And if you don't believe me, I'd encourage you to read a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Don't believe me? No problem. Read about a man who in a concentration camp, not one but two, Auschwitz and Dachau, came through with his sanity, with his purpose and his dignity, controlled not his circumstance but his reaction to his circumstance and how he thought about his life, how he thought about life. You can think yourself miserable in spite of having everything. Or you can make yourself happy no matter what circumstance you're in. You know, one of the real secrets to winning that I've learned from Olympic athletes and Olympic coaches is how to use psycholinguistics or the language of the mind to talk myself into success rather than trying to talk myself out of failure. And here's what I mean. Back in the 1940s and 50s, there was an Olympic coach by the name of Johann Schultz. And Johann Schultz talked about autogenic training. And here's what he taught Olympians. He taught Olympians to say things so that their mind would do to the body what he said. And here's what I mean. My stomach is warm. My forehead is cool. My breathing is relaxed and effortless. My left arm is heavy and warm. I'm relaxing. My heart rate is slow and regular. And can you believe it? When you say those things, your brain responds by telling your body what to do. So through repetition of the way you speak to yourself, the body begins to react to what you're saying. In effect, just like a computer, reading its software. So what did the Olympians learn from that? And what can you do every day of your life? A positive explanatory style is the key. What do you say when you talk to yourself? And when you talk to yourself, you should be your own best coach, not your own worst critic. Here are the things you should say. Another good day. I'm feeling better now. I eat lean source protein. I like fiber-based carbohydrate. Water's my favorite fitness drink. I'm doing better now, I'm feeling better now, you're right. I want to, I can, next time, I will. Not I have to, I'll try. The self-talk of the winner is everything. Listen to the language you use on yourself. Watch the silent conversation that you have. The silent conversation at 600 words per minute lasts all through your day and into your sleeping cycle until you go into a deep sleep. So remember, when the mind talks, the body listens and acts accordingly. No matter what is happening in your life, make sure that you use a positive explanatory style because I can tell you this, Whenever you share negative information, that will be passed on like a wildfire. It will go viral. Everything negative immediately goes viral. Everything positive takes a little longer because people are used to passing on bad news. So be a good news commentator. And when people ask you about yourself, explain your life in positive terms and you will find that they will look at you as a winner instead of a struggler, or hopefully never, as a loser. Me and Fear, we had a thing in 1993. 
told me I was wasting time with all these silly dreams. I dated out, she knocked me down every time I tried. But I found joy in my life. Sorrow swept me off my feet in 2009. I took long walks on the beach next to the oceans that we cried. And grief she came and overstayed way longer than I'd like. But I found joy in my life. listening to the backyard millionaire how to create wealth where you are with what you've got i'm chris story you can find me in everything we do here online at ilovehomeralaska.com you know i was talking about laws and ordinances and uh the, the the actual taking by and large happens in your own backyard relative to the fifth amendment and uh, without just compensation, it's usually something that happens hyper-local. You know what else is going on? And everywhere across the country and around the world are talking about VRBOs. It drives some people nuts, but you can also refer to it as verbo. <laughs> I don't know why, but that drives some people nuts when you hear, uh, when they say something about verbo. Verbo. Just say VRBO, verbo, whatever you want. Vacation rentals. Here's the deal. You are the problem with vacation rentals. You, it's you, it's your problem. You, and I'm pointing to you, are the problem. This means you are the solution. If you're the problem, then you're the solution. Okay, so where I live, two people, two neighbors, uh, have gone verbo. And for the most part, it's fine. Okay, for the most part, it's fine. Get along well with the owners. And by and large, the guests. But here's the deal. There are some guests that make you cringe. And that's you. You're the guest. Wherever verbos are, you're the guest. It's us. It's me. When I go and stay at a vacation rental, I'm the guest. I'm the problem. I'm also the solution. What am I trying to say? What I'm saying is be a good guest. Be a good neighbor. Remember, you're on vacation. That doesn't mean they are. That doesn't mean everybody in the neighborhood's on vacation. You are. And you're staying in their backyard. And they didn't ask for you to be there. So have respect. We do not need to leave it to governmental regulation and control. Of course, you're going to have some foreigners that aren't listening to this broadcast. But it's going to be podcast around the world. So anybody can download it anywhere. And understand you're the problem with VRBOs. By and large. I'm talking about the piece of it that's getting regulatory, the piece of it that's getting brought up at the planning meetings, getting brought up at the city council, brought up at your administrative level in your local town. The problem is, by and large, some of it is they see an opportunity to tax more. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the noise. I'm talking about the regulations that are going to be required to keep the parties down, to keep, be, just be, be awesome. And again, remember, you're the one on vacation, not them over there they're trying to get to bed tonight trying to put their kids to bed they're trying to have a nice little quiet evening on their deck so be be respectful drive slow within the neighborhood and remember you're the solution to the problem with vrbo okay where's the best place in america to invest right now and times like these that's coming up here on the backyard millionaire you're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, what my mom calls the greatest show on earth, how to create wealth where you are 
with what you've got. I'm Chris Story along with Mr. David Webb. Where's the best place in America to invest today? I'll tell you in just a moment, plus times like these. But first, let's revisit the golden formula for wealth. Now, you, you could hear that as the golden formula for wealth, or you could hear it as the golden formula for health, or you could hear it as the golden formula for blank, whatever you want, prosperity, better relationships, a fitness, whatever it is. This formula is never to be failed. It will not fail you if you use it. And that formula is leverage multiplied by effort will equal reward. Now, the leverage in real estate is obviously a mortgage of some kind. It could be hard money, could be private money, could be um, a mortgage from a mortgage lender, or it could be a banker's, you know, just a straight bank loan. Leverage of some kind allows you to multiply your reward many times over versus cash on cash. You know that. We've gone over that many times. But there's the element that never should be forgotten is the effort piece of this formula. Because there's a lot of people out there that are selling ways to make millions from your laptop on a beach or to increase your health or your fitness without working. You've seen the thing you could put on your stomach and it just, it does all the work for you. And next thing you know, they've got a six. No, we know that's not how it works. We know that there is a way to leverage your way to a to the body, the beach body you want, but you got to do the effort to get that reward. We know to get to the wealth level you want, you can use leverage smartly. I'm not talking about uh, you know personal credit cards. I'm talking about leveraging with smart money securitized by good cash flowing real estate, and then your effort is the maintaining the management putting the deals together, keeping them together, keeping the tenants happy will equal ultimately the reward in the buy and hold scenario. And yeah, of course, in anything you do, there's going to be risk. But I'm here to tell you there is more risk in waiting. And the real risk actually is never taking your shot. You really can own your future. You really can have a wealthy future, a healthy future, a better marriage, better relationships, more peace of mind. You really can be content in this life, even though it's never been this bad. You might think that, it might appear that way sometimes, but you can improve every aspect of your life with the golden formula. And it almost sounds too simple. We tend to like more complicated solutions, we human beings. The simplest problem on earth really is this. How can you live in abundance? That's a, that's a very simple problem with a very simple solution or a very complicated solution. That's up to you. You get to decide. Einstein said, the most important decision you'll ever make is whether you live in a friendly or hostile universe. Now, there is some question as to whether or not he said that, Einstein. It's attributed to him. I don't care who said it. I think it's true. The most important decision you'll ever make is whether you live to believe in a friendly or hostile universe. Put another way, an abundant world or a world of scarcity. You decide. How many times have you heard someone say, oh, if I had his money, then I could do things my way. Rich 
You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Where's the best place to invest today? You ready? You're ahead of me. Where you are, of course, that's the best place. Your own backyard. The next best place to invest today is where you'd like your backyard to be one day. Now, here's the reason why. You have a fingertip feel for your own backyard or a place that you'd like to be. Put in the due diligence, put in the time, put in the effort to get to know with a fingertip feel, a a real sense of awareness, what's going on. What's the vibe? What's the cultural vibe? What's happening in the community and where's it heading? Trending up, down. What's happening in the local economy? Get to know the people that are running the economy. Get to know the people in business, in charge, at the political level. They're easily accessed in your own backyard. I don't care where you are. If you, you could live in the biggest city, you could live in New York and get to know the aldermen in your neighborhood and find out what's happening. Where, where are we going? What's the direction of this community? You do not need a consultant. You don't need to uh, appeal to talking heads. And by the way, if you hear about it on the news, it's probably too late. It's not the deal you seek. Your backyard, the, the, the four-home formula, the backyard millionaire formula is to own and control four homes in your own backyard and retire a millionaire. Who you become in that process is far more important. You can wait for everybody else to own it or you can own your share. played harmonica when I was a kid. Not well. Man, I love it. It's one of my favorite instruments. Tiffany's stepfather was a professional harmonica player. I wish I had some cuts of him playing. Uh, He used to play back in the 60s with, uh, I mean, rock and roll people you've heard of uh, back in California. Anyway, it's one of my favorite instruments of all time. Speaking of time, it's time for times like these. Paul Harvey said the thing about times like these is that there have always been times like these. this let's see what was it oh this is going all the way back into to late august august 31st in 1888 get this the infamous jack the ripper murders began in london's white chapel district series of gruesome and unsolved killings caught the world's attention and sparked widespread speculation also in august of 1922 michael collins an irish revolutionary leader was assassinated during the irish civil war Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never. No, never had times like these. It was August 16, 1977. Elvis Presley, king of rock and roll, passed away at Graceland. Mm-hmm. 
that was a that was a dark day for music. What a great film! I wanted it to end at some point. I feel bad for saying this, but I was watching the movie about Elvis. It came out was it earlier this year or whatever. It was a great movie, really, really a good movie. But I'm like, okay, I know how it ends. Can we just get there? <laughs> I mean, Tom Hanks was in it. You know, he played the Colonel and all that. It was good. It was a good movie. But I'm like, okay, I know he's gonna die. Can we just kind of? Can we just get there? Can we just kind of cut out some of this and just get to that part? Because we know it's coming. On the, Does that sound insensitive? I didn't mean it to be. On this day, well, it wasn't this day. August 25th, 1989, the Voyager spacecraft made its closest approach to Neptune, sending back fascinating images and data about the distant planet. This marked the first and only direct exploration of Neptune by spacecraft. What, it, what a wonderful world it would be if we could stop fighting, stop the wars, stop the, the idiotic obsession with practicing totalitarianism, communism, crony warlord capitalism around the world and put our attention towards the stars. I'm not suggesting one world government, relax. I'm just saying if we could collectively as a species put the same amount of energy into space exploration, wow. Okay, on August 8, 2003, a massive power outage struck the northeastern United States, I do not remember this, and parts of Canada affecting, guess what, 50 million people. Blackout caused, a combination of tech, caused by a combination of technical failures and human error led to widespread chaos and unusual scenes in uh, city life without electricity. Just, wow, 50 million people out of power. That was in 2003. I do not remember that. Do you? I know it was a big deal then. I'm sure I, I'm sure I heard about it, but I mean, you know, the news cycle, right? Moves on and on faster than you can keep up with it. Realtors survey says that 4.16 million homes have sold so far this year. We're on track for hitting 5 million. Question is, is one of them going to be to you? For all of us here on the Backyard Millionaire, I'm Chris Story reminding you, you really can make a million bucks in your own backyard. We'll see you next time. 